Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, if you have your Bibles, however you get your Bibles, whether in book form or app form, go ahead and open them up to the Gospel of Luke. We have been mostly walking through the Gospel of Luke all through this season of Lent, and today uh, we land here. You heard Deidre read that first part, and uh, those that put together the readings that we churches do... Um, talk about a sunrise service, and that's usually read at the sunrise service. And then at the morning service, for those of us who are decent human beings and get up later, uh, they, they have this next portion. And then tomorrow you're supposed to read the rest of the story. And so today we're kind of combining these. We heard uh, Deidre's portion that was to be read at the sunrise service. And now we hear a very familiar passage of scripture from Luke chapter 24. And we're going to begin at verse 13. Because this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would ask you to stand as we read, if you are able, in honor of the reading of the gospel. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. I mean, can you just get this picture? They're like walking along. What's going on? If, if shoes make uh, break noises. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there these days? Jesus is so humble. He doesn't hold up a a nail-scarred hand. He just says, what things? He asked. About Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us what they had seen, a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. 
So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened to them on the way, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. It's the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, today we talk about resurrection. It's really the only thing that we talk about on this day is resurrection. And yet, as we approach this day, some of us think we know what resurrection is. And we kind of have this glimpse of, okay, so it means that somebody who is dead is alive again. And we've spent a lot of time together. This is this is our 13th Easter together. Can you believe that? And so we've talked about that resurrection is different from resuscitation. Resurrection, yes, death, coming back to life, breathing again, that's resuscitation. That was Lazarus. He was going to die again. Jesus, though, something different happened. He was dead and in the grave, and yet when he came out, he moved through death into new life. Something that he then makes available for you and I in the here and now. And so as I was thinking about resurrection, it's one of those things that's so vast, it's so huge, we like to say it's a mystery. And just like on Good Friday, we were talking about the mystery of atonement. Uh, today, we're talking about the mystery of resurrection. And by that, I don't mean what we typically say when we, mean mis- when we say mystery. Typically, when someone says it's a mystery, they mean it's unknowable. One of my teachers taught me very early on, That when we say mystery, what we actually mean is it's infinitely knowable. It's knowable in so many ways that it seems so vast and huge that we can only get little glimpses of it here and there. So it's good we've spent 13 years together. And today, we'll add one more little thing to that. One more little glimpse. And I hope it will move you along and as it's moved me along in my journey with the resurrected Jesus. I wasn't sure how to approach this. There was part of me that thought, maybe, is this the, is this the Sunday where I go all apologetic on people? That doesn't mean making an apology. It means arguing my point, arguing about resurrection. And so I read a great book called Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. Great book. If you're ever interested in going a deep dive into some of those things, pick that book up. You'll enjoy it. He does such a a beautiful and gentle job of just asking some of the questions and, and questioning some of the ways that people just reject this whole idea about resurrection. It's an incredible book. I thought maybe, maybe we, we needed to return to a, a passage like Philippians chapter 2. It's my favorite passage. Where Paul tells the people the way of Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be used for his own benefits. Grasped. But to be emptied. 
And he emptied himself to become human. He emptied himself. And when he was a human, he served people. And he was obedient. And he served. And he served to the last act of service he could do was to give his life. And he did it. Even though it was death on a cross. And therefore... God said, yep, that's exactly what I look like. My way is the way of using power only to give it away in service to others. That's what I'm like. And so He raised Him from the dead and gave Him the name that's above every name that every knee in heaven, on earth, and under the earth should bow. Say, that's the way. That's really what life is all about. I thought maybe this is where we go. Maybe I was going to talk about the truth of forgiveness. Maybe go someplace like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it tells us that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin. That you and I, that we could become right related to God. That God would do the work that is so, that, that take down the wall that is separating us so that there's clear access. And I thought maybe this is the day I talk about the truth, that truth of forgiveness. But then maybe I thought, well, there's just a few verses before that. Maybe, maybe we should talk about the life that comes. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 That if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are made new. The way, the truth, the life, all of this happens because of Jesus. Maybe this is the day. And Lori can tell you, I wrestled this all week. I have never done so much reading. I said on Good Friday, my head is full. I hope that it will make its way down into my heart by Easter Sunday. But what I could not get away from was the story. Whenever you're in doubt, folks, go back to a story. It's what Jesus used all the time. Most of his teaching, he told stories. Why? Because it helps. We're just story people. We just love them. And the part of the story that just leapt off the page and wrestled into my heart was the phrase that is given by this Angel, man, messenger with shining white clothes. When he said to those confused women, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's alive. Why do you look for the living among the dead? In other words, what he was saying is Jesus will not be found in a tomb. And that got me wrestling Got me thinking about all the tombs that you and I go to in our daily life trying to look for Jesus. Trying to look for life. And maybe on Easter Sunday, we need to hear the good news that you cannot look for the living among dead things. So let's look. Can we do that just Briefly, let's look at some of the tombs that we go looking for. The first one is the tomb of memorials. The tomb of memorials. And uh, if you're new with us, I have this habit of 
making sure they all start with a certain letter. And so these start with M. You can write them down. It makes them easier to memorize so that maybe tomorrow when you wake up, you say, I don't want to go look for the living among the dead. I don't want to go look in the graveyard for Jesus because he's not there. The first tomb that we go to is the tomb of memorials. We see this with the women and the spices in this part of the story. They were doing what you were supposed to do. Back then, they didn't have big diggers that could dig six feet down in the ground and the land around Jerusalem is quite rocky and all of those kinds of things. And so you would look for a cave and then you would put the dead body, they would wrap them up in linen cloth and they would put a lot of herbs and spices that smell good in those wrappings. And they would put you in a cave and they would seal it with a stone and then the body would begin to decay. Aren't you? Don't you just want to go have some ham right now? And that's why they would come with spices. And we talked about that, that perfume they would bathe the body in so that as it's decomposing, it's not a nuisance to the com- community. And then, after a certain period of time, when they were certain that the body had decomposed, you would go back in and you would gather up the bones and you would wrap them up with what was left of the, the, the grave clothes and then you would put them in a box called an ossuary and then that would go and then the next person could take the place. They were doing what they were supposed to do. They were memorializing the person who loved them, who saw they saw do great things and then saw him die. They were going in to memorialize this one that they loved. And before we get too far into this, I just want to say, we tend to do this too, don't we? We tend to memorialize a certain place that we found Jesus, a certain time that we found Jesus, a certain mode of church where we found Jesus that makes us comfortable. And if we're not careful, what we wind up doing is carrying our perfume and we carry our herbs and spices and we wrap up that time because we want it to be a memorial and we can only find Jesus in that way and we keep coming back and we keep coming back not realizing that that mode, that time period has moved on and it is decayed and there's nothing but the bones left. Some people leave church and our young kids stop coming because they realize you're just going to bones. They want to see something happen. They understand that Jesus wasn't resurrected for you to live in the past. Can I get an amen or an ouch? (laughs) See, that's not what the resurrection is about. We used to sing another song that said, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world when... Today, I know that He is with me no matter what folks say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always here, right now, in this moment. Do you need to hear the words this morning? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus will not be found in your tomb of a memorial. He wasn't resurrected for that. Let's move on. The next tomb is the tomb of might. The tomb of might. I found this very interesting. I had never heard this 
But did you, have you heard about the Battle of Emmaus? Of course not, because it happened in 165 BC, in a very remote part of the world, in a empire that not many people understand, the Seleucid Empire. And they were the, the ones that were kind of overrunning Judah and Israel. And all of a sudden, Judas Maccabeus rose up with his brothers and sisters and they stole in the night and they came into the camp and they slaughtered them all. And it was a great battle. And it set up the Maccabean kingdoms for quite a while. Until the next ones came in and overran them. I began to wonder, and some scholars began to wonder, is it interesting that they, here they are, these two, where are they walking? They're walking towards a memory of a great battle. They're walking towards the tomb of might. Remember when we were strong? Oh, we thought he might have been that. Again, we would see this happen. But let's go back. Let's remember. I mean, we just have this thing about going to battlefields, don't we? Let's go, let's look at the might of the past and hope that once again it will rise again. We do that too, don't we? Power is seductive. The tomb of might pulls on the heartstrings of human beings and wants to pull us in. And we can get to the point, and you can ask some people who no longer want to come to church. They say, well, the church is just so wrapped up in the tomb of might, of pulling us in so that we can just be something for some political party, one way or the other, whichever one you choose. It's not the whole thing. If the people on the opposite aisle, side of the aisle from your party were suddenly gone and your party had everything from the top to the bottom, it would still not bring the kingdom of God. Because it's a tomb. It is something that at some point in history, or if not at the end of history, will no longer exist. And I'm here because we need to hear, I needed to hear, I needed the question to roll down through history to me that says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. Jesus was not resurrected for your or my national hopes, whichever side you choose. That's not what resurrection is all about. It's a tomb. Let's move on. The next is the tomb of meaning. The tomb of meaning. We see this in what they had hoped. In verse 21, we read that they said, We had hoped He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Translation, we'd hope He'd get rid of the ones that we hate. See, Israel, if you're not familiar, was overrun by the Roman Empire and they were in charge and they were very cruel. And the man at the top, Pilate, was a very cruel person. And they wanted him gone. They had reason for that. And folks, if we're not careful, we can impose our meaning on other folks And we can end up looking around, even in our church family, and say, I wish that person wasn't a part of this. I hope I don't run into them. 
I wish Jesus would just take them on. Not to heaven, just another church. Do we need to hear, do you need to hear that question rolled down through history to you today that says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here at your tomb of meaning. He is alive. In other words, Jesus wasn't resurrected for our preferences or our prejudice. Ooh, can I get an ouch? Hurts. It's true. Number four. It's the tomb of moralism. Now, you may wonder, what is, what is moralism? Moralism is making judgments about other people's morality or lack thereof. Usually that's what it is. We see this when they describe to Jesus that the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. That's moralism at the extreme. We not only judged that he was unworthy, but we handed him over and we let him be killed. Now you guys are all such nice people. You wouldn't do that, I hope. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus wasn't resurrected to make you or me judge, jury, or executioner. And if we're there today and we're harboring those kinds of things in our heart, then we need to hear the angel's voice roll down through history and say, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He's been raised. He's moved on. He's calling you. Lastly, and this one just kind of sums up everything. It's not really found in the story, but you and I know that there is a tomb of many things. There are many things that we run after in hopes that it will bring us life. It could be the tomb of an addiction. It could be the tomb of a substance. It could be the tomb of a someone that if I just had them would make me complete and whole. It could be a career, the tomb of a career. It could be the tomb, the tomb of success. And we can get there and pastors can be just as guilty as anyone else. But I need to hear, you need to hear the angel's voice roll down through history. You online need to hear it, that Jesus wasn't resurrected for you to escape from life. He is not here. He is alive. And that includes any theology that's just all about getting out of here. That can become a tomb as well. Jesus is here for you today. So you're probably wondering, okay, that's a lot of tombs, Pastor Jeff. Where is Jesus to be found? This is supposed to be good news. Come on, it's Easter. It's resurrection. So where is Jesus to be found? If Jesus is not found in the tombs, where is Jesus to be found? Jesus is found at a table. Not a tomb. That's what the story tells us. That's where it ends. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. This table that he is revealed at, this table teaches you, and it teaches me something. I want you to see this, because he teaches us through a meal. This is interesting. 
Jesus is here. It teaches us that Jesus is here to find you. You see, in Jesus' day and age, table was a communal thing. I know now we can go to fast food or we can go to Starbucks and we can get our little meal and we can go sit by ourselves and sip our coffee and look into our cell phones and, and all of that. But that wasn't the way things worked back then. It was always communal. And if you invited someone to your table, that meant you loved them, you accepted them. And so this table, every time we approach the table where Jesus is revealed, it says that, is it, we, that you are accepted and you are invited because Jesus loves you. I say this every time before we take communion. This is not my table. It's not the cross-community church's table. It's not the church of the Nazarene's table. It's no church's table. It is the table of Jesus Christ and He invites you if you're hungry. Come and be taught about the acceptance. Because that means if you approach the table and you look around and you see someone else approaching the table, even someone that you're not really so sure of, it's going to teach you. But Jesus has invited them to his table too. And it's going to do something in you and in your heart. It's going to begin that resurrection process in your heart in that moment. The table teaches us Of Jesus' acceptance. The table also teaches us that Jesus is here to free you. And we see that in the symbol of the broken bread. That he says is his broken body. And his broken body breaks the chains of canceled sin and sets you free. But that's the next one. We'll get there. And we're to remember that if we are to live as resurrection people, we are called to let Jesus gently break our lives and give us away. Paul will say much later in the Corinthians, he'll say, now you all are the body of Christ. And that means we are to be broken for the sake of others. This table teaches us about acceptance. This table teaches us that Jesus came to set people free. And that's what Resurrection Sunday is about. But it also teaches us that Jesus is here to forgive you. And that's what the wine symbolizes when we take that in communion. Jesus said, this is my blood shed for you. And in Jesus' day and age, that blood was used in, I know, a very strange sacrifice for us to hear, for us here in the 21st century. But it created space for God to move in because there was forgiveness that was available. So when we take that cup, it reminds us that Jesus was resurrected for your forgiveness. And that sacrifice, wine, is also a symbol of joy. It moves from that horrible situation and turns into joy as forgiveness comes down to you. And lastly, tells us that Jesus is here to feed you. He's here to feed you. That just like bread and wine feed the body, Jesus' body and blood that is in that bread and cup feeds your soul. 
I want you to hear this quote from John Wesley, who, if you're a part of the Church of the Nazarene, is our spiritual great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. He says, The grace of God given in this meal confirms to us the pardon of our sins, forgiveness, by enabling us to leave them, freedom. As our bodies are strengthened by bread and wine, so our souls by these tokens of the body and blood of Christ. This is the food of our souls. This gives strength to perform our duty and leads us on to holiness. If, therefore, we have any regard for the plain command of Jesus, of Christ, if we desire the pardon of our sins, if we wish for strength to believe, to love and obey, then we should neglect no opportunity of receiving the Lord's Supper. The table teaches So the question we end with then is, will you come to the meal? You're obviously invited. Will you come to the meal? Friends, he's not waiting in a tomb. He's waiting at the table. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Lord Jesus. Thank you for your challenge today. The challenge of the angel. God, if there are any of the tombs that we're walking among as a church or as individuals today, can we hear the good news that you're not there? And can we hear your voice calling us to your table? Where we will encounter freedom and forgiveness, acceptance and food for our souls for this you were resurrected I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here and online that they would hear your voice saying the table is open come and eat and if something in them is stirring right now, that they would know they have only to receive the bread and the cup to take you in and receive all that you were resurrected for us to have. We pray this in your name, Jesus. We are going to move into this time of communion. And so if you have something like this, these are kind of new. Go ahead and get those out. Don't open them just yet. They're a little different. You've got to open the bottom for the bread and the top for the juice. If you open the top first, you're going to spill it when you try and get the bread. I want to say to you, first of all, because of COVID, we don't have a table. But I believe that Jesus is able to move with us in this season, in this time. And so I'm going to ask you, would you hold this up just in front of you? I want to pray. As we often do when it's here on a table that we come and receive. And I can't wait till we can get back to that. There's something about coming forward as a group and receiving communion. But can we pray here for just a moment? Jesus, we long to have a table again. But we believe that you're able to move with us in this season where we're trying to be as careful as we can. 
So take these elements, this bread and this cup, and may it become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, of you, that was broken and shed for us. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, this is not my table. It's not Cross Community's table. It's the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He wants you at His table if you're hungry. If you hunger for the Jesus that I've just spoken of, then you are welcome at the table. We have elements. Chris is here. Is there anyone who does not have have elements that, that wants them? They'll bring them. There's one over here. Yes. Yeah, right over here. There's a couple right here. Kids, you're welcome at the table. Or if you're hungry for Jesus, you're welcome at the table. We're running to get more. I don't want anyone left out. Resurrection creates another thing. Family. And we want everybody at the table full. And so we're going to wait for those. Okay, he's running. He's running. He's coming in the door. All right, Chris, raise your hand if you uh, you want to receive communion today. I want to make sure anybody who wants can, can receive. There's one there, a couple over here, Chris. Run on down. It's okay, I give you permission to run in the sanctuary. <laughs> anyone else? Raise your hand high. We don't want anyone left out. All right. Good. There's one over here, Chris, when you're done. Right over here. All right. Oh, some more. Okay. Make sure everyone has one. All right. Where are we looking? Okay. Now, go ahead and open. Get the bread out of there. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. On that same night, he took the cup and he poured it out and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. Let's receive. Jesus, may this meal heal us, set us free, forgive us, not because it's just bread and cup, but because you are somehow in it, using it to empower us to go and to serve, to live as resurrection people here and now in our daily lives. May our wives, our, off, our husbands, our kids, our teachers, our workmates, our world see a difference because you have forgiven us and set us free. And we pray all of these things in the great name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? I'm so glad that you are here today. Again, if you do not have a home church, we would love for you to come. We're here all the other weekends of the year. 
But we're so glad that you're here. Receive this blessing. And now, may you, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, here and online, may you hear the voice of the angel in your daily walk, saying, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And whatever tomb you find yourself at, may you rush to his table. Because only there will you find the one who is alive and alive forevermore. I pray that you will go with joy. I pray that you will go with freedom. I pray that you will go with hope into our world. Because it has come because of resurrection. I pray these things in the name of the Father who is for us. In the name of the Son who is with us. And in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Go in peace. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today. If you're listening to our podcast, please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.